You're listening to The Daily Drive with Josh Downs, Christmas edition, where each weekday during the month of December, I'll be sharing thoughts, principles, and insights to help you connect more with family and friends, to find the true meaning of Christmas, and to help you get more out of Christmas by focusing more on Christ. Good morning, everyone. You're listening to The Daily Drive with Josh Downs, Christmas edition, or More Christ edition, where each weekday I'll share a brief thought, principle, and story about Christmas to help you get more out of your Christmas by focusing more on Christ. Today's episode is episode 226, Wise Men Still Seek Him. Christmas is such a wonderful season and time of the year, but it's also a very busy time for most of us, isn't it? Well, it's been my hope and prayer in doing the podcast this month that I might have been able to help turn the focus a little bit more where it needs to be so that we may not become so caught up in the pressures of the season that we place our emphasis on the wrong things and miss the simple joys of commemorating the birth of the Holy One of Bethlehem. President Thomas S. Monson, leader of my faith, speaking on this very thing many years ago, said, Finding the real joy of Christmas comes not in the hurrying and the scurrying to get more done. We find the real joy of Christmas when we make the Savior the focus of the season. Which is exactly why I've come to love the phrase so much, wise men still seek him. There's actually a lot that we don't know about the wise men, but we know enough to appropriately call them wise, as they were but few that were able to find the Christ child, traveling even a great distance to do so, while others passed by the Savior daily in their very streets without seeing him, without finding him, without knowing him, without recognizing him. Knowing how easy it was for others to miss him, I worry myself about passing by where he can be found. Here they had the God of heaven and earth, the Savior of their souls, who was in their very midst, and most of them failed to see him and find him. But a few wise men saw the signs, knew the location in which he would be found, followed the star, asked the right questions, until they were led to the home where he was, and then, upon falling on their knees, gave him the gifts that they had been hoping to lay at his feet. Gifts meant for a king, but not just any king, the king of kings and the lord of lords. I had the opportunity to experience one of my most favorite Christmas activities of all recently, Hell Center's production of A Christmas Carol. I've actually lost track of how many times I've seen that play, probably upwards of 30 times, as I've gone just about every year since I was old enough to remember. That story and play has become a central part to my Christmas season, and I will not miss it. Very few understand the significance of the story and its impact actually on Christmas. In fact, it very well may have single-handedly been responsible for saving Christmas and keeping it from extinction. Christmas was in fact abolished by the Puritans after the English Civil War in 1642, and although the English monarchy was restored, Christmas with all of its carols, its feasting, and warm good-heartedness was not refurbished but went into further decline with the Industrial Revolution. In fact, G.K. Chesterton, in his introduction to the 1924 edition of The Christmas Carol, observed that if a little more success had crowned the Puritan movement of the 17th century or the utilitarian movement of the 19th century, the old holiday traditions would have become merely details of a neglected past, a part of history or archaeology. Perhaps the very word carol would have come to sound like the word villanelle. But, thank goodness, English Christmas traditions survived and have been transplanted to America because of what Dickens fondly called his little carol. Michael Hearn notes that Dickens must be credited with almost single-handedly reviving the holiday customs. It's the origins of the story that is one of the things that I love most. Dickens, in trying to put words into several tracts to be delivered against child labor and ignorance, 
with a plea to remember the poor who he saw suffering, and although each tract and speech was received with thunderous applause, he knew there was still more to be written, something, some way to put his ideas together in a story that would resonate even more with society and with the people of England, and then it came to him. As it's recorded, Dickens spent the night in Manchester pacing his room as ideas began to flow, and upon returning to London, it was recorded that he wept and laughed and wept again, and excited himself in a most extraordinary manner in the composition and thinking of the story, whereof he walked about the black streets of London fifteen and twenty miles many a night, when all sober folks had gone to bed. To me, this story didn't come to him as much as it came through him. Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol has become as much inspired scripture to me as anything else in the Bible. It's a story that undoubtedly we're all now very familiar with in some form or another. We've all heard of Ebenezer Scrooge and know of the ghosts of Christmas past and present and future. We've heard the names of Jake and Marley, Bob Cratchit, and Tiny Tim. Its impact on the world is such, and continues to be year after year, that I don't believe it could have come from a mere mortal. In the story, we are introduced to Jacob Marley, who was Scrooge's departed business partner, who returns to pay his old friend a visit. Fettered with chains, comprised of contracts, ledgers, money boxes, all of those things associated with his business. Scrooge asks him why the chains and why he walks the earth now in this form, to which Jacob Marley responds, It is required of every man that the spirit within him should walk abroad among his fellow men and travel far and wide. And if that spirit goes not forth in life, then it is condemned to do so after death, to wander through the world and witness what it cannot share, but might have shared on earth and turn to happiness. He tells Scrooge that he wears the chains he forged in life, that he made them link by link and yard by yard. Scrooge, in trying to offer some comfort to the troubled apparition, says, But you are always such a good man of business, Jacob. And then comes one of my favorite lines in all the story. Jacob looks at Scrooge and in defiance and clear contempt for himself and others like him says, Business? Business? Mankind was my business. The common welfare was my business. Charity, mercy, forbearance, benevolence were all my business. The dealings of my trade were but a drop of water in the comprehensive ocean of my business. And then in that lament he gives the solution to Scrooge. Although Scrooge is not quite prepared yet to receive it, he will, but not yet. Jacob says, At this time of the rolling year I suffer most. Why did I walk through crowds of fellow beings with my eyes turned down, and never raise them to that blessed star which led the wise men to a poor abode? Were there no poor homes to which its light might have conducted me? Jacob Marley now understands in death the significance of the phrase, wise men still seek him, and wishes beyond measure that he would have fully grasped that statement in life. Although it appeared too late for Jacob, it wasn't for Scrooge, and it isn't for us either. We're still here and have an opportunity to be led every day to where Christ is, but we have to seek him. For Scrooge, he finally found him by reflecting on his past, both the joys and the pain, instead of bearing them away because it allowed feelings to surface that he hadn't felt in a long time. And with each experience and visit, he started to move closer to the present, wishing that he had given something more than a scolding to a young child who was singing a Christmas carol in his presence. He wished he would have spoken more kindly to his own employee, Bob Cratchit. In reflecting on the past, 
he finally started to think of another's welfare instead of his own through Tiny Tim. He started to remember who he was and who he could yet be. As he experienced the joys of Christmas present, he began to see the good that Christmas or more Christ in life could bring. And then he was finally ready, ready to take a hard look at himself, where he was, and project where his life would lead. But before doing so, he pleaded for a chance to change his course, saying that men's courses foreshadow certain ends, to which, if persevered in, they must lead. But if the courses be departed from, the ends will change. Say it is thus with what you have shown me. But without answering, the ghost of Christmas future points to a single grave for Scrooge to approach, one final reminder of what awaits him if he doesn't change. And as he comes face to face with that reality in the graveyard, the spirits of Christmas, or more Christ, had done their work. And Scrooge exclaims, I am not the man I was. I will not be the man I must have been. Why show me this, if I am past all hope? Assure me that I may yet change these shadows you have shown me by an altered life. And then my favorite declaration from Scrooge, evident of the deepness in which he had received this lesson. He says, I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. I will live in the past, the present, and the future. The spirits of all three shall strive within me. I will not shut out the lessons that they teach. Oh, tell me that I may sponge away the writing on this stone. Ebenezer Scrooge now understands how not just wise it is, but fundamental to life, to happiness, and eternity, to, like the wise men of old, seek Christ anew each and every day in the life that we've been given, and how easily He can be found. If we will look up to that star while walking in crowds of fellow beings, its light will guide us to those in need of our help and what we can give, whatever that might be. Scrooge found Christ in the kindness that he offered to a young boy that he instructed to go get a prized turkey from the Poulters and rewarded handsomely for his efforts. He found Christ in paying for a cab so the Poulter didn't have to walk. He found Christ by having that turkey delivered anonymously to his clerk, Bob Cratchit. He found Christ in the donation that he made to the poor and the many back payments that was in it. He found Christ in asking his nephews forgiveness and pardon in rejecting his dinner invitation and in what he said about Christmas the day before. He found Christ and Christmas in doubling his clerk's meager salary and in instructing him to put a little more coal in the fire at the office to keep them warm before he dotted another eye. He found Christ in helping Tiny Tim get better. He found Christ by changing his course and by remembering that it was the welfare of mankind that was his business and then following the light of that star within him to each and every person that he was led to help, led to touch, led to speak a kind word to, to lift, to forgive, and to love. And that is why I love A Christmas Carol so much. It's a song about Christmas, a song about more Christ and the redemption that can come to all of us through him. As President Monson, a leader of my faith, further taught, our celebration of Christmas should be a reflection of the love and selflessness taught by the Savior. Giving, not getting, brings to full bloom the Christmas spirit. We feel more kindly one to another. We reach out in love to help those less fortunate. Our hearts are softened. Enemies are forgiven. Friends are remembered and God is obeyed. The spirit of Christmas illuminates the picture window of the soul and we look out upon the world's busy life and become more interested in people than in things. To catch the real meaning of the spirit of Christmas, we need only drop the last syllable 
and it becomes the Spirit of Christ. True happiness comes only by making others happy. He then invites us, May we give as the Savior gave. To give of oneself is a holy gift. We give as a remembrance of all the Savior has given. May we also give gifts that have eternal value along with our gifts that eventually break or are forgotten. How much better the world would be if we all gave the gifts of understanding and compassion, of service and of friendship, of kindness and gentleness. As the Christmas season envelops us with all of its glory, may we, as did the wise men, seek a bright particular star to guide us in our celebration of the Savior's birth. May we all make the journey to Bethlehem in spirit, taking with us a tender, caring heart as our gift to the Savior and our gift to each other. Wise men still seek him, is also a Christmas song composed by Corey Connors. The song reflects the truth that those who find him turn their hearts like Scrooge did from worldly riches and consecrate their lives to him and give to others as he gave. The lyrics go something like this. They made their way through the desert sand till they came upon the Holy Land, a little town, O little town of Bethlehem. They turned away from everything to pay their tithes to the newborn king. They were bound for a little town called Bethlehem. They knew the signs, and from their youth, they searched the skies for light and truth. They covered every valley, every hill, to a gentle child in a humble place. His father's eyes and his mother's face, and wise men seek him still. So I make my way to the edge of town, through the Christmas lights and the Christmas sounds, to the humble door of the tired and poor, and give to them, and in the giving I receive more. And works give life to my belief, like men of old who learned to mold their will. And through his words, I'll know his face, who lived and died in a state of grace. And wise men seek him still. Through the desert sands or the drifting snow, where the Spirit leads, that's where I will go. Like men of old who left their gold in Bethlehem. And that's my invitation for you today, to simply seek Christ anew like the wise men of old. Set aside time and effort to search Him out in the needs of others. Find someone that you can help, that you can lift, that you can forgive, that you can love. They are all around us. If we just look up and follow the light of the star, God will lead us to the poor in health, to the poor in spirit, to the poor in love, to the poor friends, the poor financially, or poor in any other way that we might be able to help. And as we personally feel the effects of giving, We won't be able to help but exclaim like old Ebenezer did, I don't deserve to be this happy. But you see, I just can't help it. Now my activity that I would suggest for you is to, if you haven't guessed it yet, incorporate a Christmas carol in your Christmas season. Find a way to watch it at a play, watch it on TV. In fact, the version with George C. Scott is my most favorite. Or just sit down in the quiet light of your Christmas tree and read this inspired story for yourself each and every Christmas to help you reflect on your past, to better see the present opportunities around you, the ignorance and want that there is in the world, and then foreshadow the course your life is on, and if needed, make a change for the better to be better, so that it might be said of you and me and all of us, like it was said of old Ebenezer Scrooge, that he was better than his word that he became as good a friend, as good a master, as good a man, as the good old city knew, or any other good old city, town, or borough in the good old world, and that it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well if any man alive possessed the knowledge, because he knew that wise men still seek him. 
May that truly be said of us and all of us. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us, everyone. Thanks as always for listening. This was a tender episode for me today because of how much I love Ebenezer Scrooge. I've grown up with him my entire life, and there are parts of me that I want to change. And every time I see, hear, or watch, or read that story, I know that change is possible. Because with Christmas or more Christ, the best will always be brought out of us. I hope you can find a way to incorporate more Christ through a Christmas carol in your Christmas this year. And you know what? If you can't, well, I have three friends that would be very interested in paying you a visit. So you better lock your doors tonight. Although for some reason, I don't think that will stop them. May they haunt your houses pleasantly. Until next time, I'm Josh Downs, and you're listening to the Christmas edition of The Daily Drive.